This is episode 467 on the 10th of December 2022. Mentoring is defined as a rapport between two individuals it's who share their experiences through their actions and words, thus benefiting from the time spent with the other. It is more of an advisory role than a former long-term relationship. And the best rapport is among those who have each other's best interests at heart and the unique perspective they can provide to the other as and when needed. Let's demystify mentoring through this story. Alan and Danny are lawyers at a top firm in Boston. While Alan is a regular employee, Danny is one of the founders, yet the way they converse, the way they have an interaction is contrary to the stereotype of a boss-employee relationship. Over time, they become thick as thieves, thus breaking the proverbial glass ceiling. But as the story moves on, their relationship becomes richer. How does it happen? Let's see. They realize that the firm respects them for the body of work they put in, but not for who they are. Who are they? Their conventional views towards certain groups means they are not invited to dinner or drinks by fellow co-workers for a casual night out. This brings them closer together and yet, not once in the story did either of them walk to the other and ask to engage in a mentor-mentee relationship. Interesting, isn't it, that not once in the story that either one of them formally walked to the other and asked to engage in a mentor-mentee relationship. Once again, yet not once in the story that either of them formally walk to the other and ask to engage in a mentor-mentee relationship. At the end of the day, their customary habit of consuming wine and cigars on the firm's porch, discussing the day's proceedings, often taunting their co-workers or the outlier measure they had to take to win a case, or at points where they lost the case and why did they do and the law itself was against them. And even share secrets their colleagues are in dark about. Becomes a tradition and an important plot point. So spending time with each other at the end of the day on the porch 
with wine and cigars, discussing the day's proceedings becomes an important part of the tradition and an important plot point. Now, it may not be the one of the mill formal relationship. It may not be the one of the mill formal relationship, but in an ideal world, mentoring should be natural and organic. And unlike a coach, there is no handholding, no domain or skill specific expertise and the rigidity surrounding it. But the question remains, are there any, are there any other traditional roles? Well, let's take the example of student and teacher in a classroom environment. Can a student teacher have a semi-formal mentor-mentee relationship? Yes, they can. In this case, Alan and Danny could be student and teacher to the other. What defines a student and what defines a teacher is once again subjective. Coach and a player. Well, when a coach has an affinity for a player that this player will do something special, that this player will go on to become a legend, the coach takes him or her under his own wings and guides him through his tumultuous years, the places where the player has struggled and then helps him become the player he is. And that's what is important in a coach player. The term is coach, but the coach can also be a mentor of some kind if it's a right kind of direction because the coach has the player's best interest in heart and the player knows that this coach can help me become a world-class stuff. And then everyone knows through the mythology where Arjun and Krishna had a long conversation where Krishna guided Arjun through a period where he had to tell him to fight the war, fight the inner demons, and that is what was important. So yes, apart from the Danny-Allen relationship, which is not the one of the mill relationship, which is unique and different in this case, a student-teacher can be a perfect example of a mentor-mentee relationship. A coach and a player, depending on what the coach thinks of the player, can be a perfect mentor-mentee relationship. And then from our mythology, from our stories, the relationship between Arjun and Krishna. But what about me? Did I ever have a formal mentor? No, for me, my mentors were... Everyone were my mentors. I would go to different clubs for different meetings, whether it's school, college, or any other environment. And just being there at certain situations, talking to individuals was an experience which cannot be substituted. It's not uncommon to have many mentors and one benefits from having more than one mentor and not being clouded by the fact that only an experienced person can take up this role. Thank you.
the mentor mentee relationship the india south africa ashes game 3 starts tomorrow and the talking point is that the captain returns after a injury break what's the big deal that's not for the first time the captain is returning after an injury break he has been injured before and that's but what's how does it make it into a comeback it doesn't it cannot be a comeback yes he missed one game what happens india loses but didn't india lose because of kohli kohli's absence or did they lose because south africa had better plan or things did not go according to plan every time things cannot go according to plan and then south africa had a bit of a luck and they chased down 240 but it doesn't mean that fortunes have started or things are in favor of south africa as they seem that's a misnomer it doesn't work that way the series is one all so what could be the team for tomorrow's game of course rahul and mayank will continue to open unless something else happens we don't have too many openers left except for priyank panchal who will be making his debut and they will not want to risk they giving him a debut in a do or die situation because it's not just about winning this tournament and winning the first ever test tournament in south africa it's also 12 points as far as the world test championship or the test world cup is concerned because you lose then you go down the ladder and other teams have a chance right now australia is a team which has a chance of making it to the finals new zealand can do it south africa is there somewhere sri lanka is doing well so as i said right now so many teams yes england drew the game against australia and everyone said what an upset bangladesh goes on to beat new zealand wow what a performance and then south africa goes on to beat india and everyone is happy we are treating them like children as if it's a start of a new era if we were happy by by winning one game and then losing the next how is that how is that start of an era i don't know and then of course since siraj was injured and they were handicapped by siraj's injury and his inability to bowl in the manner he is expected to bowl they may replace him with umesh yadav there will be a choice between ishan sharma and umesh yadav but at this point umesh yadav will get the green light and siraj will have to wait injury not withstanding or injury being a part of this and this is the team and of course one more musical chair will be for the position between rahane and bihari who both did well in their respective categories rahane did well in the second innings making those 50 runs so that india could give a target of 240 to south africa vihari made sure that he did what you do in a 50 over game batting with the tail and getting the score to around 270 so that finally india could set a target of around 240 for south africa it didn't work it's fine but it's going to be a very important decision of course vahane has been there for the past 9 years vihari is one who will eventually be apart for the next few years so this musical chair this thing between rahane and vihari who should go both performed well and of course the anti rahane campaigning 
continues. It does baffle me, but the anti-Wahani campaigning just continues. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's not my choice. I know that Umesh will replace Siraj solely because Siraj is injured and could not contribute in the manner he wanted to. He will be disappointed. And there are a lot of things in this thing. There are a lot of things that are happening in this context. So, of course, Siraj Umesh replacement is obvious. Who will Kohli replace? That's the million dollar or the trillion dollar or the gazillion dollar question. So I don't think it does make a difference. I think both Vahane and Vihari are capable enough to do the roles in the team. And talking about roles, another player who got the brick bats was Punt because of his short selection. That's the only thing we can talk about. Punt's short selection, the fast bowler Rabada was able to trouble him, get him to play that shot, unsettle him with a couple of bouncers and a couple of sledges or the conversations he had. But I think Punt Punt's short selection should not be a matter of discussion. It's the last thing that should be discussed in this context. Why are we even discussing? I've seen players with worse decisions, worse short selections being accepted. Okay, he had the ball gone for a six, a brilliant shot. But the ball doesn't go for a six and that is what happens. And that is something that baffles me. How can his short selection be seen as a negative thing? That's the only thing we have to discuss. I I think we have more important things to do than discuss the punt short selection. And then what do pseudo experts say that look at Sehwag and Gilchrist. You cannot compare him to Vanillas like Sehwag and Gilchrist. Sehwag and Gilchrist were very lucky to be part of the team. I've seen old videos where Gilchrist was not even contributing more than 50 runs. And yet he was appreciated. And then it was only when he crossed 30. That was in the latter half of his career. That is between 2000 and 2007. When by default maturity comes springing up in you. Or he was mentored by a decent player or Maybe 30 is the age you start getting more mature or whatever be the case. He played less aggressive shots. And then, of course, number 7, 1700s, all the praise that he receives. Everyone has compared to him. No one has replaced him. Australia has had, has, has had so many wicketkeepers post-Gilchrist, post-2006. They may have finally settled down on Alex Carey. So that's one positive. And talking about... The Australia-England tournament, England draws the tournament because they don't lose all the wickets. But I think draw is a very negative conclusion in a match because it's not a football match where it is one all or two all. And then if there's a draw, there should be a tiebreaker or something should happen. Draws should not be part of a result, especially in this sport because that's not the way things work. Draws cannot be a part of the discussion. That's the last thing I want to see. Of course, with light fading, the captain had to turn over to Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne and Nathan Lyon because if you bowl fast bowlers and it's getting dark and it's the number 10 and 11, 
the umpires will take the players off the field. But compare this to what the umpires did in the India-New Zealand game. The umpires knew the match is going to end in an exciting manner. And they took the players off the field even before a decision could be made. And compare the decision of the umpires here. They knew five overs were remaining, four overs were remaining. They knew a result could happen. Any Australia had a chance of winning. England had a chance of drawing the game. Both results were possible. And then what happens? The Indian umpire in that India-New Zealand game takes the players off the field with two or three overs remaining. And the umpires in the Australia-England game make sure that it's getting dark and of course things are not visible properly that's what entire even with the lights coming on but you cannot compare the quality of the floodlights in indian grounds so quality of the floodlights in english grounds in south african grounds you cannot compare that that doesn't work that way it simply doesn't work so i think the indian empires need to look at how the empires in the england australia game handle that situation but coming back to Rishabh Pant, I think Rishabh Pant is already in my book of legends. Yes, he will play some poor shots and one will forget his contribution in the last year's India-Australia Ashes tournament. Okay, forget it. Move on. And why do we keep comparing him to Sevag? Who is Sevag? Sevag doesn't feature in my list. He was, as we call in Hindi, a lappe bas. He, he, had no, he could bowl a bit. That's why India went with seven batters, four bowlers, and Seva, Ganguly, and a bit of contribution from Tandulukar bowling. But it doesn't come in my book as something legendary. I cannot count Seva in that book of legends. He was nothing but a vanilla. He was lucky to play for the period that he did play, for the 15-year period that he did play. He had his moments. He was also the captain for a while. And I think coming to the idea of captaincy, Rishabh Pant should not be bothered about not being given the choice of captain or vice-captain. It doesn't mean that the selectors think less of you. Everyone knows that heavy is the head where lies the crown. Being a captain is not easy, especially in this sport where all your decisions are scrutinized. You are Whatever happens, if you lose... Poor captaincy, as everyone told KL Rahul rather subtly that what didn't work. Siraj's injury didn't work. He was reduced to four bowlers. And then everyone questioned, why did Rahul start with Ashwin? That was one place where everyone questioned his captaincy skills. Though it was his first match. And he had Pujara and Rahane, but he was the final he had the final say and then he had Bumra as his vice-captain. Bumra wasn't exactly bowling with venom and fire and all those things. So, yes, things didn't work out. And everyone said, if we missed, and of course, all the outside noise was, we missed Kohli's energy. His captaincy skills, well, he's been captaining for the past eight years, to be precise, or seven years, to be precise. It also took him time to get into the mode of captaincy. Eight years is a long time. And of course, one can question all the contribution and all the negative impacts that has been there, but that's the way things work. Eight years is a long time. Maybe he'll captain for a few more years. And then 
one can question Rahane being displaced as a captain. I don't think these things should matter in the longer run. But that's the way things are. But if Rishabh Pant is to take someone as his mentor, it should be Ben Stokes at this point in time. If I have to be very, very specific, in the contemporary times, if Pant needs to look at some videos, you should look at Ben Stokes. A guy who can be 8 or 50 balls and suddenly make 150 of 200 balls. Who is the best person? Not Gilchrist, not Sevag, maybe somewhere between Ben Stokes, Johnny Besto from, uh, from England, from Australia. Maybe he can look at Cameron Green. And then someone like Rahane can look at Usman Khwaja from Australia. Look at him two centuries in two innings. So that's the way things work. Everyone said, Khwaja, this guy is there. He's 36, 35 and a half. You already have a younger lot in the team with Travis Head, also a century. So, it's going to be quite an interesting decision as to how it happens. So, let's not get carried away. I think Pun's short selection should not be a discussion, especially when you're comparing him to Vanillas like Sevag and Gilchrist. That's the last thing I want to hear. And tomorrow's team, Kohli will be back. It's a comeback. I don't know what defines a comeback. Who will it replace? That's on the coaching staff. We don't have too many wicket-keeping options. But I think they should go with Shadul Thakur if Shadul Thakur is the best all-rounder that we have, considering that we have made a mockery of and insulted the likes of Hardik Pandya, who I think should be in the team, injury or no injury. Of course, no one wants to play with injuries, but they should have better planned his career. So I think the team management, the cricket board, the vanilla selection panel are equally to blame if Hardik Pandya is struggling with injuries and the communication between him and the governing body concerned is not working out. So yes, tomorrow's match, I think South Africa have got carried away that we will go with the same game plan. This, this, We'll see what happens. Because the same Bangladesh team which beat New Zealand last week allowed New Zealand to score 520 runs in 140 overs going at 4.5 runs per over. And the last score I saw for Bangladesh was they were 27 for 5. The same bowlers, Bolt and Saudi, who struggled in the last match and who were obviously criticized because that's the best thing we can do. Criticize, criticize someone and they don't adhere to their expectations, they had the team at 27 for 5. And they and and this and Bangladesh is sure to lose this match. The match could be over by tomorrow. You never know. Or Bangladesh can they can they avoid the follow-on? To avoid the follow-on, they need at least 330 runs. So it'll be a very interesting situation as to how that pans out. England survived, but the next match is a day and night game. Another interesting story with Josh Butler injured. Sad moment. So many injuries happening. I think the quality of pitches where the ball just rears up from a length is something that the ICC needs to look at. What does the ICC do in this case? And why are the pitches of this quality? Why are ballers struggling in their run-ups? Why is ankle injuries 
happening or ankle injury waiting to happen is something the the main governing body needs to talk and look at the pitches other i mean yes pitches are not important but they are important in some cases they have a role to play but they are not important they don't define the game they don't govern the game and that's how it is so tomorrow's match it's a 50-50 thing anyone can win whichever team does well it doesn't matter what to do with the toss because you don't need to score 600 runs to win 300 350 is good enough for either team to have a chance score 3 350 get a lead of around 150 score another 250 in the second innings get a score of 400 and 400 will never be chased ever so tomorrow's game it all depends on how the teams plan which is a better team south africa chasing 240 doesn't make them a better team they were never a better team and last week's game was just one of those flukes that happened so let's not get too carried away by south africa winning because there's a lot of things that are waiting to happen so that's how it is and that's how it should be this ends episode number 467 on the 10th of jan 2022 and stay tuned for the next episode I will be back with episode number four sixty eight on the twelfth of January, twenty twenty two. While you wait for the next episode, put these books in your must-read books column. Once again, a reminder: put these books in your must-read books column.